Welcome to Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Mine's Aaron Dugan. You can follow me on Twitter at the Aaron Dugan or Instagram Aaron underscore Dugan. We have a very interesting show for you all today. Three musicians, one of which is the soundtrack to this particular podcast. Um, we have Ben DeMoss, who is the drummer for the Wild Feathers, which is the music you hear on Fringe Element. William Tyler, who is an instrumental guitarist uh, from Nashville, who is on the 440 podcast, of course, if you listen to that. And Tommy Putnam from Moon Taxi, who is the, the sound of our soccer podcast, Club and Country. So all three guys affiliated with the 440 Sports Network, all from Nashville, Aaron, and all three fascinating dudes who are diehard SEC sports fans. And I just, it was a really fun, fun conversation. We're not talking name, image, and likeness. We're not talking, you know, all that crazy stuff. We're not talking depth charts yet. We got SEC media days coming up next week, but I don't exactly know how to prepare you for this conversation <laughs> because they take it in a lot of different directions, but man, I had an absolute blast hanging out with these guys. And I, I think you guys are really going to enjoy the conversation. Yeah. It's just a fun kind of marriage of you know, talking about music, which I am a big fan of and have a respect for music in general. I'm not, would say I'm not nearly as much in the weeds as you are, Braden, in terms of knowing a lot about a lot of different kinds of music. And you're more of a live show person than, than me. And I respect it and love it, but it's interesting for me to hear, you know, um, just kind of this marriage of like, diehard sports fans and guys that have been doing, you know, professional musicians for, you know, most of their lives and all of their careers. So it was really fun to kind of hear just how those two things collided all the way down to like what they do during a show when a game's on. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, ben plays for the Wild Feathers. He's the drummer and he has watched a Notre Dame Georgia game while playing for Bob Seeger. And he will tell that story on the show today all uh, again tommy's a huge bama fan ben's a huge georgia fan william's an old miss guy you're a vandy uh, grad i'm a tennessee grad we have five different fan bases on the show today it's there's some heavy tunes and some light tunes like any good concert on the show today they we, we talk a, a lot about how everyone became sec football fans and it went very quickly into the heavy tunes <laughs> like uh we talked a lot about southern culture and why so much art comes out of some of these small towns in the south uh but then we talked about universal connections between music and sports and told some really fun stories about their favorite places to play across the sec. Um, Craziest as fan stories, Ninja turtle boxer shorts might be involved in that as well. Um, you know, William's, o Williams open for Jack white and has some really interesting stuff to say. Tommy's played the national championship game when Alabama was in it. So they just have had a fascinating run. They, they are all, I, I hate to admit how many times I have seen all three of them live. Um, I do not especially want to tell them, uh, how many times? Don't tell them. How many, how many times I've seen all of them live? My wife has seen all of them live with me. I'm I'm obviously a big fan of all of their work, and but even even more than that, they are fascinating individuals with interesting stories to tell, and not just about music, but about SEC football as well. And uh, we even have to debate. We even had a debate in the in the conversation at one point about whether or not. Florida should even get credit for Tom Petty. So like, this is the kind of stuff. Oh, it, we're all over the place, but in the best way possible, it's a roller coaster and um, it's really, really fun. And um, definitely check out the the clip we put on social of, of the video of this, because um, it's, it's hard to describe, but they're very animated as well. Yeah. They're, they're, they're awesome guys and really appreciate their time before we hear from them. However, fringe element, Aaron Dugan is brought to you by, by um jaspers the um transitional oasis from summer to fall not bad not bad i i would i could summer use, to later summer <laughs> i'm in nashville and i could use an oasis right now not the band but like an actual place to to hang out and drink a drink a cold drink on a hot day and you know what jaspers is a perfect place for that so it there is you indeed go. they are in fact my oasis trying to transition from SEC media days to an actual football schedule. Please God. <laughs> At some point. They are my oasis. Even when I have meetings there and you're there. Wow. That's so kind of you. It uh, felt mean. It, it, was, it pretty was mean. Pre pretty mean. Pretty, okay. pretty, pretty, pretty mean. Go to Jasper's. They have a great, great drink specials. Great happy hour. Great menu. Great, great company. All different types of places to eat. It is the oasis of your transition from summer. To, to autumn 
has all you heard it here first the kids book said all right so without any further ado this is a very long and very winding much like a a long guitar solo on a at a music festival in the summertime this was a long and winding conversation i think you're really going to enjoy it ben damas the drummer for wild feathers tommy putnam the bass player for moon taxi and the great guitarist William Tyler, all three of them on the show today together in a roundtable discussion about SEC football, music, and life in the South. So without any more conversation from us, here was our conversation with them. A little special edition of Fringe Element here today. Aaron and I are joined by some of our favorite musicians, uh, some of which are in Nashville, some of which are no longer in Nashville. Uh, we've got William Tyler, we've got Tommy Putman, we've got Ben Demas. Ben, let's start with you. Introduce yourself. What band are you in? Which is because it's the, the name, it's the music on this particular show. Give everybody, t- tell everybody what you sound like, Ben. <laughs> um, well, uh, my name is Ben. Uh, I play in a band called The Wild Feathers. Um, if you want to know what we sound like, you should check out uh, the 440s Fringe Element podcast and you can get a, a quick taste as uh, 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 Brandon and Aaron were uh, gracious enough to want to include some of our music in the um, in the, the the show, which is which is we're honored and flattered. So thank you for that. Um, Tom, go ahead, introduce yourself so everybody knows what you sound like. Yeah, my name is Tom Putnam. My friends call me Tommy. I play bass in the band Moon Taxi. Um, if you haven't heard of us, we're a rock kind of improvisation, pop element kind of band. And William Tyler, go ahead. Hey, I'm William Tyler. I, if you want to know what I sound like, pretty sure you could listen to the 440. I think <laughs> you guys are, <laughs> there, there might be some. Uh, also, if you don't have that as a reference point, I usually tell people that my music kind of sounds like the mellow parts of Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin with no singing. <laughs> I like that. I like that. So we will get into a lot of your music careers, your experiences, uh, both you know touring and just sort of the, the the things that you guys have had opportunities to do in your careers. But the, this is an SEC football show, and the reason we wanted to have this sort of gathering is that we all have a, a shared love of of college football and sports in general. Erin uh, has told her sort of Marvel comic origination story on the pod before. <laughs> Uh, we all have that, though, when it comes to college football. So we'll go around. We'll start with you, Ben. Just, you know, you're a Georgia guy. How did it start? Where did you come to Georgia football? And, and why are you why are you an SEC football fan? Yeah, um, I'm from Georgia, from Macon, Georgia, originally. Um, I didn't go to the University of Georgia. But, um, uh, you know, as I say on the TV, SEC just means more <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> um, just growing up, my, my dad went to UGA. And so just... Uh, being a kid, you know, Saturdays in the fall, it was just not a question of like, if you were going to watch the Georgia game, it was like, you know, who was going to come over and watch the Georgia game or what were you going to do to watch it? Um, so just always, you know, an, an institution growing up and then over the years, you know, got more into, you know, the entire sport in general. And yeah, that's how I did. Yeah, that's that's basically how it happened. Just being, you know, what it, it, it's the story of, I think, a lot of people, especially in the South with college football, it's like you're just kind of raised that way, you know. Tommy, you are an Alabama fan, right? Um, it's, it's, please, please, ex- please explain all of those problems you have in your life. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, there aren't many right now. Um, it's uh, you know, it's very similar to what uh, what he just said. It's it's like I moved to Alabama. I moved to Birmingham from Atlanta as a kid. I think I think I was nine years old, and the first thing everybody asked you there is like, well, "Who do you pull for?" And you know, you basically have to pick Auburn or Alabama. So we picked Alabama. My sister ended up going to school there. Her kids' initials, the boys, are RTR. Um, they have a red and a crimson red and a white house. Yeah, they're into it. And, you know, <laughs> so am I. But, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a way of life down there. And it's, it's, it's exactly what we were just talking about. It's like, you know, every Saturday you watch the game. It's not a matter of if you're going to watch the game. It's where or who you're going to watch the game. William? Oh, okay. So this is good. So I'm representing, I guess I'm representing Ole Miss in this conversation. Which philosophically, you know, I grew up, so I grew up in Nashville. My dad is a, is a songwriter. Both my parents worked in the music business, but they both went to Ole Miss. <clears throat> all my family on both sides is from Mississippi. Pretty much all of them went to Ole Miss. We have some, a few outliers who went to Mississippi State. So I would say that I grew up kind of with a little bit of a detached fandom for Ole Miss because 
Well, for a lot of reasons. I mean, mainly because they're they're usually pretty bad, um, which gave me <laughs> a sympathy for underdogs right at the beginning. It's probably what led me to like being into bands that no one else liked. You know, like oh, everybody's listening to Fish. I'm going to listen to the Velvet Underground. <laughs> but uh, you know, we've beaten Alabama a few times now. I mean, it took basically getting prostitutes. Um, but like. Uh, you know, we'll take what we can get at this point. Um, it's, it's up, you know, you have to break laws to beat um, Nick Saban. Um, but no, but I mean, I, just to round that out, uh, my, my, my father, uh, my mom and dad were both at Ole Miss. I think maybe like Archie Manning's junior, senior year. And somehow my dad was like in the same fraternity that Archie was in. And, uh, you know, it's just Mississippi's so small. Like, it's just, there aren't that many people there. There's like, there's always like one degree of separation from like some of some legendary guy who played football there or something, you know, like Robert Kayat, who was the chancellor at Ole Miss for a while and was a big football star on the team in the early sixties. He's a friend of my dad's and I don't know. It's, 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 a, it's kind of a sentimental thing. I think it, it also like, doesn't, I have absolutely no athletic ability and most people who play sports would probably beat me up. So uh, getting into football later in life, just, just kind of like a way to recenter my, my southernness and not lose it, you know. I have so much I could say on all that. Is it the frat, is that the frat house that has the pool in it? The, the probably. Pool in the probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we, we've, played, we, we've played a frat party there before. I don't think it had any water and it. it was super dangerous. It probably didn't have any water. Did it have beer in it? I think they were throwing beers in it. Yeah, it didn't have any water in it. The only thing more dangerous than a pool at a frat house is an empty pool at a frat house. (laughs) Not kidding. My goodness. I'm I'm pretty sure Eli and uh, Archie, they all pay the insurance for it every year, which is expensive. Yeah, something like that. That's how they get control of the speed limits on campus. Yeah, I think think between (laughs) Eli, I think between Eli and Archie and like the William Faulkner state, it just kind of props up the whole town, you know, so... And the library. And the library, yeah. And, well, and you've, you've got Lane Kiffin now, so you're going to have plenty more prostitutes for years to come in the yeah. uh, school. Ooh. Is that too oh, far? absolutely. Too far? No, no, no. I mean, what, I like and, and what's I like and, uh, Mike Leach? Isn't, we, we got – Yeah, this yeah. Is, this is the price Mississippi had to pay. It's like, <laughs> it's like we got Lane and Mike Lee in state. Literally two months later, COVID happened. So be careful what you wish for. Ground zero. (laughs) Well, we know who to blame now. It was actually the state of Mississippi. I was already blaming you guys. Blame us. Everybody thinks we're at the bottom of everything. So blame us. Well, you you mentioned Faulkner and we've had like a lot of uh, like our Aaron and my favorite writers that come on. There's obviously so much, you know, history of writing through Ole Miss and Oxford, but it's not much different, especially with music in both Georgia and Alabama as well. And I don't know, I'm curious, and I didn't mean to transition into music so quickly, but, you know, when in Rome, you, you guys, like, what, what is it about the, the southern sort of small town, the Vot, like, like, what is it about that experience in life, the positive, the negative, the good, the bad, the imperfections, you know, that so many musicians c- can come from all of these different places, like North Mississippi and, and you know, Muscle Shoals and, you know, the Georgia Theater, they're, they're not really that different they have some differences, but they obviously have a ton of similarities. What is it about these areas that, that create such wonderful art? I don't know. I mean, that, that's an interesting question. Um, the uh, one thing I love, so I'm, like I said, I'm from Macon, Georgia, um, which when I grew up there, there wasn't a music scene at all, as you'd say, but, um, but in the sixties, uh, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, like Otis Redding was from there and the Almond brothers. So like, uh, little Richard was from Macon too. So, uh, one thing I always think about is people always talk about music scenes like Seattle or whatever, like, uh, but it, but keeping it like local to the South um, music scenes like that or something always kind of tend to crop up out of areas where there's just something a little bit more of a grit to it or like an under, like a, a place that's not really currently under the microscope. Like, I, I don't know what it is, maybe just like a, the weirder different people kind of um on the outskirts or uh, if you will not like under the focus of you know you know the mainstream lens at the time and then somehow stuff starts there and it gains traction i mean i don't want to use an over overused term like soul or whatever but really it is something about the certain soul of a place i don't know that's that this kind of can separate it from something different and i think you know 
in the South, like Macon and Muscle Shoals, like you said, and stuff in Mississippi, um, kind of throughout lots of decades have just kind of have that thing. Maybe it has to do with, I, I, I don't know, imp- I that, I- <laughs> impoverished people finding ways to, to express themselves a lot, uh, you know, just different <laughs> kinds of people trying to find ways to express themselves and not trying to be different or cool, but just being different or cool. Cause it's natural. Just, you know, just cause that's just how they were, I guess. Yeah. I think, I think authenticity is what, what, what we're talking about. Like, like, you know, someone from Macon, Georgia or, or Muscle Shoals, like people from New York city and Seattle and wherever else, they're not going to know people that are from those places. So it's kind of like, what's, what's your life like down there? And they write these songs about that. I'm from Birmingham. There's no, I, I can't really think of anybody like Otis Redding or, you know, the Almond Brothers really off the top of my head that are from there. But, you know, I've been everywhere else, like, you know, Macon and Athens and uh, Oxford and all these cool places, and you know, New Orleans and here. And I think it's just, yeah, the authenticity and the the originality of those places. Just kind of coming into your songs a little bit. Yeah, right on. Definitely. But, yeah, that's exactly what I was saying. I also think, like, the South is, like, disproportionately given more to American and world popular culture than any other region of the United States by far, you know? And I mean, that's like a lot, you know, has to do with very impoverished people, you know, specifically people of color kind of like having to create culture in, in like the pretty dire circumstances, you know, but also like, you know, we're country music. I mean, I, it is an interesting thing, but I, I, I always kind of like joke about with three or four friends outside of this call that, actually care about music and sports this if there were going to be like a playoff with like the conferences the power five conferences like the sec you're kidding me right like we've got tom petty gainesville yeah. R- yeah. rem yeah. athens yeah yeah alabama mississippi panic uh, yeah yeah exactly Nash- <laughs> B-52s. I, mean, Va- nice. I mean vanderbilt's worthless but we've got nashville so you know what yeah. i mean it's just like Oh, love that! The disrespect. Like, it's okay, so, William. Hey, look, I look, I, I root for those guys too. It's a it's part of my whole school. Like, great baseball school. Great baseball school. We have to just um, ride little, that for as long too as soon. we can. Little too, little too soon, boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. okay. I accepted it after game one. It's all right. <laughs> that was that was pretty brutal. I got to be honest, but I was happy for Mississippi State. But no, I mean, but seriously, like, I mean, we don't. I mean, like, the, I think the SEC would be like the best music conference. I so, mean, the, Pac, the Pac-12 might actually be the only thing that's close with like with that's with, true. I guess with, they yeah, get all the hip, LA with, hip, with hip hop from with hip hop from yeah. the side, like with Seattle and hip hop changing music in the late 80s and early they, 90s. I they, think the Pac-12 get, would have a good run. Well, they'd also that's get true. CCR and like the Eagles. Oh, that's true. Um, yeah, that, that's I, almost I not. C- that's almost not fair, though. <laughs> I always think CCRs from New, from New Orleans or Baton Rouge, but they're from I think San Francisco. Yeah, they they are not. They are not from New Orleans. Which and is... I guess, yeah, San Francisco would get uh, Grateful Dead, too. Yep, and that, that's, that's true. A, that, yeah. That's a big one. Okay, so that would be a little bit more of an intense face-off. But I do think that, like, much like the SEC is, like, everybody's fan base is, like, we all beat up on each other. But when it comes to, like, it's kind of, I mean, this is this is kind of like how the South is in general. Like, when somebody from outside the South is kind of, like, ganging up on us we tend to like stick together which historically hasn't been a very good thing but um (laughs) notwithstanding that period but i digress um yeah (laughs) i mean now yeah post post you know y'all know what i'm trying to say so y'all kind of like let y'all kind of like led me straight here talking about the south being different because there's like this kind of impoverished like grit like gotta make it what are we banding around to you know create commonality and it kind of it reminds me a lot of I don't know about, I actually do know about Braden. We have like similar interests in this on this front, but coming from Memphis, I grew up there and I went to college here in Nashville, but Memphis is there's only like two things that bring people from every like race, gender, socioeconomic situation, like educational background together. And it was like, when the Grizzlies are in the playoffs, <laughs> Memphis gets along. And actually there's a stat about violent crime rates in Memphis plummeting when the Grizzlies are in the playoffs crazy the only other thing that does that is music so I don't know if y'all can talk a little bit about that of how music has been able much like sports to kind of bridge that gap and it's why it's especially important in a time right now when things feel really divided and polarized in a lot of way like how you know our two y'all's background your jobs in music and much like sports kind of help bridge that gap well I mean you mentioned Memphis has anybody been to Rayford's 
Yes. Oh, yeah. Other than me. Yeah. Uh-huh. Nice oh, yeah. 40 I, I, and some Michael I've Jackson. Never, that place is awesome. I've never been in a place that has such a diverse, you know, based on what you said, like age, you know, um, you know, background, like where you're from or, you know, people of color with people not of color. Like, I mean, everybody just there together, having a great time, listening to music. So that's the best example I can think of. Um, just right off the top of my head. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. Again, I just said this stuff about like, I hate to use the universal terms, but, uh, or like overused terms, but that's there, like that there is still something universal in the connection and that music provides, um, a lot of people, you know, um, and I don't know, I mean, it's, it's, I guess it's an intangible thing. I guess we, we don't know exactly why, but, um, but we definitely know that it happens, um, and to keep reinforcing things from where I'm from. I remember, you know, growing up seeing a lot of pictures of Almond Brothers playing and you would see, and it'd be the 60s and there would be uh, black and white people standing around watching the Almond Brothers play outside in a park. And uh, you hear all the stories about like um, uh, white people sn- sneaking in to see Little Richard at, 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 at like at weird back alley clubs because it would be a place where they could dance where normally like they would get in trouble for dancing and and but you know and and Little Richard should have been playing the show anyway because only black people were there but in that in that in in, in those sort of, in those environments with that with that unexplainable thing you know it was it was okay and I don't know. It's it, it's hard. That I don't know what the answer is. It's hard to to find to to know why. But uh, it's just a very special thing. I think also just you know we're you know we're all of us here are white Southerners, so it's kind of like I don't really know how I've had this conversation. But I will say like since I grew up with my parents being very you know I mean obviously you know they were white people in Mississippi, so they were very insulated from like the, the worst stuff. But like they did grow up around the process of desegregation as it was happening and 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 the absolutely insane terrorist opposition to it frankly i mean it was i mean that's what happened people were killed bombed you know people were churches were bombed people were disappeared and died i mean it was like the mafia or something but like you do think about because i just rewatched that muscle shoals documentary which maybe y'all have seen but i've seen it yeah i mean and like you know there it's a little problematic for me when I talk about like how this works in both sports and music in the South, because it's like, it was kind of like, basically it's just kind of like how it's always been. It's kind of like white people like kind of get it both ways. You know, it's like, Oh, well, we want to, we want to work with black people so we can. And it kind of worked like that in the South and in the SEC specifically in football, like when Bear Bryant decided, you know, he was going to play USC and know that they were going to lose and they played him in Birmingham. And that's what desegregated SEC football. You know, and it's like Stacks and Muscle Shoals were kind of a different version of that because some of those labels were owned by for African-Americans. But there are these common, just kind of like the way like Southern foodways are like kind of a problematic but shared thing with white and black Southerners. I think yeah. there is a shared culture around a lot of music and, and sports. The, the credit usually has been misappropriated, but the language is kind of the same and it is something that brings people together. And I've seen it. I've seen it in Nashville. I've seen it in Mississippi. I've certainly seen it in places like New Orleans and Memphis. It's that it's that. In, so I was listening to a very strange podcast the other day and I'll just without quoting it or citing it or whatever. So it's very irresponsible of me. But basically, you know, everyone thinks the opposite of winning is losing. But when you ask somebody what's the opposite of winning and losing, nobody really has an answer. And the answer, <laughs> and, and the answer is just playing and it's just existing like you can't you know, you can't win a relationship. You can't win parenting. You can't win a career, but you can experience it all. And, and in the moment uh, when when your team scores a touchdown against LSU and we all get to just screen our asses off because we're angry at Ed Orgeron and our team scored a touchdown. It's not really any different than watching a, 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 a ridiculous guitar solo at a, at a venue that we all love with a band that we all love. All the other stuff disappears. It all just sort of melts away and, and, and goes into other places because we're all just experiencing something in, in the moment. So I didn't mean for this to be this heavy, um, <laughs> but... It you have a lot there. of creatives on the same I, platform. It's we're bound to head this direction. Well, and I appreciate all all of you guys for for being that way. Let, let's lighten the mood a touch here, and <laughs> and let's just go around the, the room and and give me your favorite two, three, four, whatever places that you have played. We've already talked about a swimming, an empty swimming pool. Uh, We've talked about Memphis. <laughs> give us like SEC locations that fans who are listening to this who've not had a chance to go to a places that you just love for whatever reason, because the acoustics were great, because the crowd was great. 
because the town was great. Just beauty is in the eye of the beholder here. Your favorite places to play in sort of SEC country, as it were. As we have SEC schools, it, that's pretty I, easy. I'll rattle a couple of uh, Proud Larry's in Oxford. Uh, obviously, the Georgia Theater in Athens. And I guess we're an SEC school city here. So the Ryman, um, that one's good. But we all know that one. So I guess a third one. Can one of y'all help me here? I'm not sure. Where else is great off the top of my head? Um, Basically, no one wants to go to Arkansas is what I'm hearing. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. Georgia, Georgia's majestic. We've got, we have a show coming up there in the fall um, on our way. Yeah, out is fun. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's fun. Any, any of those small pack places are great. Yeah. Larry's, they, they move the tables out. It's just a ruckus in there. And, I'm, and um, you know, of course, the, the 40 watt, getting to play the 40 watt was, yeah. was, was amazing, you know, legendary club. Um, I, I know as soon as we as we get off here, it's going to be like, oh, I forgot about yeah, the, yeah. such and such. Um, Proud Larry's is always fun. Um, there, There's a place in, a, uh, what, Ray's? Is that the place in Starkville? Is it called, or is it Rick's? Rick's. Rick's, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. We, yeah, we've got a little monument on the wall there with like a oh, yeah? car. Okay. Yeah. I, I think it's a broken symbol and some posters. He's got a bunch of those. Nice. Baton Rouge yeah. is pretty wild. Do y'all have somewhere in Baton Rouge? Yeah. Um, what is the called? There's, I know. I, I'm actually just trying to do a search for the place in Baton Rouge because I've played there a couple of times. The sh- the actual shows were sort of insane. But I, I, feel, I have to admit, like, I've, I've never really been in a band that probably would do very well in sec country but outside of maybe athens or nashville and i'm, I'm hesitant to include nashville because it's not really a college town but 40 watt is kind of an all-timer place i've been lucky to play there a few times well the pilot light in knoxville very underrated rock club i think proud larry's is a good one i wish it's, i could remember the, the place of Smith, baton rouge i know i know I, i've it, never it, actually it, played a show in arkansas which is insane I've, i mean like I've never played a show with any band in Arkansas. In the they were the season. ones like Ole Miss that would blow it out of the water and spend a million trillion dollars to have you come to their fraternity. Like that was like Arkansas's MO <laughs> right. is like the frats were so big. Well, they have all the Walmart money, you know, so. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah. Tyson, and Tyson well, Chicken. Tyson, has, yeah. has anyone played in College Station, Texas? Honest question. I'm never going no. back. I'm never going back to College Station. <laughs> no. You can't make me. I, you know, I mean, I, I hate to be like the shots fired person, but. <laughs> I, it's hard for me to it's hard for me to accept that Texas A&M and Missouri are in the SEC. Like I, I really I try to get my head around that and it just doesn't it when, doesn't sit. You know, yeah. when, when they when they made that move, I, I kept thinking it made a lot more sense for other schools like Clemson or like you know, you know, Georgia Tech. All TV. It's all TV money. They already have it's South Carolina's yeah. money. I know, so, I, but I know just, what you're saying. We're like, yeah. this isn't in the right region. Like, like, for, like station, like Virginia Tech. Yeah, I think yeah. I think Texas A you guys you guys know Southern culture though. I think Texas AM is as SEC as SEC gets. I, but I think Missouri, Texas Texas Missouri is just a whole big. other level. Yeah. But, but Missouri's weird, as y'all know, because Missouri is Missouri, like most Midwestern states, the southern half of Missouri is very much like the South. You know, yes. so there yeah. was, I mean it's very it's it's basically Arkansas, you know. Oh, oh uh uh, I, for you uh, college football nerds out there, uh, I've played Columbia, Missouri a couple times and did reach out to Bill Connolly the first time we played there and was like, hey, if you want to come see my band. And he was like, <laughs> yeah, and he's actually like, a, he, he's he's a music nerd too. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, so I, I have that story about Columbia, Missouri. It's like, uh, no, Bill, Bill Connolly. <laughs> That's amazing. Fringe Element is, in fact, brought to you by Jasper's, your alcoholic popsicle hub of the season. Yes. I was more ready for that one because we had alcoholic popsicles yesterday. Yeah, you delivered that one with gusto. Thank you. I appreciate that. That Felt good. Yeah, that was a 99. That was a Kumar Rocker 99 mile an hour fastball right down the middle. She's back, baby. By the way, New York Mets, baby. First place, New York Mets. Got Kumar Rocker with the 10th pick in the draft. Hell yeah, baby. Love it. Love it. Uh, anyway, go, go to Jasper's because, in fact, they do have alcoholic popsicles. We told you on the show last week we have, we have alcoholic popsicles. We tried them. I have now eaten a cold fashion in popsicle form. And I'm going to say this. Not lightly. It was potentially life-altering. Really? I, I would go sit on the Jasper's patio, if I had no responsibilities, I had no children, and I had no job, 
I would go sit on the Jasper's patio and drink cold fashion. Eat cold. Do you drink or eat a popsicle? What do you do? Both. I think you. I think you eat a popsicle. You probably slurp a popsicle, but that sounds okay. Weird. Let's not. Let's not. You lick a popsicle. Yeah, this is why I didn't want to. <laughs> no, I know. I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep making it weird for you. <laughs> I don't want to. Do you crave I, a I've popsicle? Got a, I've, got, <laughs> I've got a few more. If you want me to use them, I don't think I'm you all set. Actually, thank you so much. I don't, I don't think you want me to <laughs> talk. About I know I don't slurping on popsicles. Yep. Um, but I will tell you again, you had one too. Rose. Your face looked pretty happy as well. Like they were, it was pretty delicious. Okay. Um, it was good. It was good to eat. <laughs> I guess you definitely don't. I mean, if it melts, you can drink it, I suppose. I, I was actually asking that question very honestly, Aaron. I was not trying to be rude or disrespectful in any way. Um, my frosé popsicle was delicious and refreshing after my potsticker salad, which by the way, I don't know where they find these avocados, but I need their help when I'm shopping for avocados. California. Cause you know how they like, yeah, I know, but they like, they're, they're just like perfect. And they come on the plate and you're like, damn, I've looked for the perfect yeah. avocado so many times. I can't yep. find it. They found it. You, you got to get the right, uh, right texture there. Right. Which is another thing I could make you uncomfortable talking about. Like it, you the hand to, signal was enough for me. Thank God nobody, people listening don't have to see that. It, you just, it, you need a real gentle, supple touch with the, with the curvature I'm, of the avocado to I'm make sure that it's the right ripeness to eat. This has been fringe element brought to you by the 440 sports <laughs> network. No, it's brought to you by Jasper's, the perfect <laughs> avocado and the perfect beverage for your summer dining Solstice. experience. So. <laughs> celebrates the solstice we actually I do. Are, we actually are coming up on it um anyway i'm telling you frozen popsicles bit huge huge hit love it huge. can't wait to go back and try again and, and eat some more when i have no you know responsibilities and then have i can have like three or four of them because i am curious like do you get a brain freeze after like three of them i mean obviously mm. there's plenty of booze in them I think it's more wonderful. the speed between slurps that gives you the brain freeze and not the quantity. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's obviously about the speed of the slurping that matters the most. 1000%. Yeah, of course. That's a, that's a wonderful point by you. They also have great food. They have a great bar. They have a great dining room. They have a great private room. If you want to rent that out to watch any big sporting events, which of course are not happening anymore now because it's summertime. <laughs> We've got a couple of NBA basketball games, but you know you what? Time to plan. SEC Media Days is literally next week, and after that, like football camps are opening, and we're 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 on to football season, man. It's it's coming quickly. So uh, go to Jasper's, enjoy a nice, relaxing alcoholic popsicle, cool you down, catch a little buzz, take the edge off, and take an Uber home. You know, ten out of ten recommendation on this. And you can leave your car there, I think, because the parking is free. Oh, so, now so we've so extended that. to like, now it's long-term overnight parking. Brayden's like, I go to Jasper's know. if you're coming to Nashville for a week, <laughs> park your car. Get, get, get hammered at Jasper's because you can just leave your car there. I'm not even sure if that's true, actually. Like <laughs> they might tell you. I'm not sure. Just just ask Jasper's when We're you go. Definitely gonna get a call. Like, you guys, the ads have really, really like left the park. Let's rein it back in. All right. Go to Jasper's, Jasper's. Park wherever you want for however long you want for free. <laughs> go to go to ja go to Jasper's. Uh, drink responsibly. This yeah. is kind of. I have a feeling this. I don't know if this will totally overlap, but I want to know like craziest fan moment. I know you have very passionate fans, and you appreciate their you know, passion for your music and <laughs> they pay the bills, but there, I'm sure there's a tipping point uh, you guys have had of like, that makes me feel afraid and scared. Like you've just barely crossed the limit of crazy into like, you're freaking me out. Do y'all have good stories about that moment? I mean, well, I mean, that's ahead, appropriate ish. You can change. Yeah. The name. Um, you can change. The well, names. the only one I can think of there's a, there's a lady that lived in Canada. She was a super, super nice lady. Um, and she she played the drums too. And um, she like I think one time in an interview I had said something like I was like a Ninja Turtles fan a long time ago. And like also I I tie bandanas around my wrist when I play for sweatbands. And so she would also tie a wristband. She would dress up like me. She had similar shoes to me. And one time bought me a Ninja Turtles backpack, which is really cool, but it's also just too small for me to use. And I think there might have been Ninja Turtle boxers in there too. Um, 
they were too big for me. Um, and uh, <laughs> the, my, 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 my nickname is Ben Jarvis. It was actually from Ben Jarvis, Green Ellis. Um, uh, and she named, when uh, this is actually very sweet, she named uh, one of her dogs uh, Ben Jarvis, which I think is a pretty cool name for a dog. So that never but, crosses over into just like, uh, like you're never kind of like. I think this is him you know, telling us it crossed a little. It, 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 at the time, it was it was a little weird or annoying, but what I worry about the most now is that um, we don't hear from her anymore. So I don't know if she like just doesn't like our music anymore or, or she's okay. So I, I don't know. She actually lives yeah. next door to you. Yeah. yeah. If you're ben, watching this, me right now, we still want you to be a fan. Um, ben, our, this scared, I'm scared of this. This scares me. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, wow, like the Ninja Turtle aspect and dressing like you. Yeah. I mean, it's like she's a tribute. Been very sweet. I will say like she's very sweet and very innocuous. Like uh, like if she, if, if she would come out to a show, she would just want to get her picture taken and maybe like, like you know, I'd give her a drumstick I used. Net in no way like overbearing yeah. socially or like like won't leave, you know, cause you know how every now and then there will be somebody that like, won't like, like, Hey, we're leaving. We have to go. And they're like following or something like that. Not, not, yeah. not like that. So, you know, you know, give her, you know, she at least understood those social cues, which is don't, good. Don't follow band so, after show. Okay. Got it. So I, <laughs> I have a good one to, to, to follow that up. And it's nothing like what you said. In fact, it's awesome. mm -hmm. we played a show in, um, outside of phoenix it was for the national championship game it was uh alabama versus clemson which was perfect for us perfect for me we did an espn party the night before and then we did a tailgate the day after but between the espn party that we played for like all the i guess the boosters and like the chamber of commerce people that are across the country that bring help bring in whatever national championship or event to that city we played a party for that and then we got escorted by police across the street to the espn party and all these, you know, the donors, they didn't really know who we were. They're not like fans of the band. And really the people at the ESPN party aren't necessarily fans. It was like a private thing. So the police escort was completely unnecessary. <laughs> and it was like 10 cops that walked us across the street. And everybody's looking at us like, oh, my God, who are they? And it's like, no one knew. No one cared. <laughs> and it was completely pointless to walk with these, you know, armed guards across the street. But yeah, that was that was a good one. And then the next day, there were fans there, of course. Um, but <laughs> yeah, um, Ben reminded me of this story before we started recording. Um, that this this other instrumental rock band that I used to be in called Character. We probably the one time we played Athens. Actually, I thought it was at Caledonia Lounge, but it might have been somewhere else. I'm trying to remember. But what was Caledonia? It was what was funny about that trip. I think it was. I'm pretty sure it was a game weekend, but anyway, but like Ben came up to us, like, and it was like, I love you guys. And what are you doing here? And it was, it was just like a super random encounter. So your super fan that. experiences with, with Ben. Yeah. I don't, I, yeah, I, I, I don't have like, honestly, Brayden, I don't have super, I'm mean, like, my super fans are like people who, like, uh, like, like a guy who wants to get you to do uh, audio for his podcast network. Is that, is that what well, or like, you know, talk about alternate guitar. No, I mean like guitar teachers and like people who are lawyers and like, they don't like, they're not, I mean, like, <laughs> okay. I've, like I, I've never been like, I've never been in a band. Like we used to like, when I was in this band, when I was in Lamb Chop, you know, people used to be like, well, well, who are like your stalker fans? And we were like, uh, German architects. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like guys who are like more awkward and smarter than us. So I, I don't, haven't had any, I will say like, this is tangentially SEC related because it took place at Bridgestone. The strangest experience I've probably ever had at an actual show, definitely in Nashville, was opening for Jack White as the first of three a few years ago, about six or seven years ago, he did kind of a homecoming show. And Loretta Lynn was his opening act, which is you know, like, and it was at Bridgestone. And um, my manager, Ben Swank, is one of the main guys at Third Man. But Jack decided he wanted to ask me to be the first three, like the first, the first opener, just doing my solo guitar instrumental set for like 20 minutes, you know. And I mean, it was the whole experience was just totally insane and surreal, you know, like I got my parents in and all that, but like actually maybe the weirdest thing, and this doesn't really involve fans, but it, it's more involves context was, you know, y'all been to Bridgestone. Like there's a way that you, there's a whole, like almost like a half a mile road into Bridgestone yeah. that you have to turn in where I'm assuming they do all the deliveries and stuff. And I just went down there with, with like one of my buddies who was like my guitar tech, you know, air quotes. 
and like in my little Camry and we like pulled into like the back entrance where, where, you know, all the trucks and the buses come into Bridgestone and this little security guy's like, uh, what are you doing here? You know, probably (laughs) we were like terrorists or something. And we're like, we're playing. (laughs) I'm the opening act. And he was like, you know, I showed him my driver's license. He was like, yeah, you're on the poster. All right, keep driving. You know, (laughs) that was, that was the one time I've driven my car into Bridgestone. That was pretty cool. So, so all of you guys mentioned, uh, you know, Saturdays growing up, part of why you became a fan. And I think all of us, the experience of like the tailgate or the party or, the gathering, the, the social aspect to, to, to SEC football is obviously a huge part. Any sport, frankly, is a, is a huge part of why we all get into it. How many, like, what's the weirdest, like, I'm on stage, I'm playing a set, I've got to do my job, but I, I really need to know the score of the game. Like, has anyone had a TV set set up on the stage? Like, is there any of you guys have moments where you remember going, we, we've got this really important place we've got a show we've got to do, but I really don't want to miss X, Y, or Z game. 100 yeah just before i forget i so i guess this would have been yeah this was 2016 we so as i said you know Ole Miss had to do a lot of interesting recruiting methods to uh beat nick saban a couple of times but but we did we did 2014 and 2015 and um 2016 i was on an album tour supporting a record that had just come out and we were in durham which is not sec country but uh, it was kind of funny because I was we were supposed to go on stage, me and my band, and there the Ole Miss Alabama game was going on that year, and I was just like, we can't start playing until this game is over because it was it was another one of those crazy games where almost almost won and then didn't. But but it was re- but that that was also really funny because it was kind of a good lens into everybody in that part of North Carolina. It's like Alabama Auburn. You you have to have an allegiance. You were either Duke. UNC, NC State, there's the, they're like, and people get, as y'all know, they get just as upset about their the college basketball as we do about college football. So it's kind of interesting, like being in this crowd of like, you know, ACC people kind of watching an SEC football game. But I do remember that as a specific memory. Um, so we have IEM, uh, we have in-ear monitors, right? And I mean, I can't tell you how often just across all sports, I'll go back to the talkback mic and be like, what's the score? And then one of, you know, our, our monitor guy or, you know, stage manager will like, you know, whether it's the Braves, like seven, four Braves or, you know, 31, 28 Bama nonstop. Just got to know. Sometimes you just got to know. Well, So why, why not just like run the DVR? Don't check your phones. You know, obviously you're out there playing. You can't really like check your, you're not checking Twitter well, like while you're playing a, a you know, music. You're, well, we're so connected. Like CBS Sports since we push notifications on my big teams anyway. And like I turn them off and I feel like they come through anyway or someone texts or, right, right, right. you know, I mean, or a fan shows me. I mean, yeah, there's, <laughs> I mean, there's, 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 yeah, there's so many different ways that, that can go, to, go wrong. But yeah, I always ask. I'm just, I, I got to know. Um, I'll watch it later. Yeah. I mean, like I, I'll, if, if it's a, a big enough game, like I'll, I'll a lot of times have my iPad or phone with the game, like streaming, just kind of below my feet and look at it every now and then. And sometimes it's been great. Like in the 2019 Georgia Notre Dame game, I remember we were, we were playing with Bob Seeger somewhere and it was like during the crucial parts of that game. And, and we were like in a, in a stadium, but I'm just like, I'm, you know, I'm still of course connecting with the crowd and all that, but, uh, <laughs> but, but, but still watching like uh, with it down my phone. And I, I remember last year, and this is actually still kind of during the pandemic. It was like an outdoor show where people were spread out. It was during that uh, Georgia-Florida game. Uh, but I guess I got to a point where I didn't have to watch it anymore. But, uh, but yeah, you know, it's always, you know, if you're into it. and or, or the worst thing for me is just the stress about, like, beforehand. Like, oh, what am I going to do? Like, I'm, I'm going to be playing while this is happening or, or be sound checker or – but uh, I don't know. You, you, you find ways. And but I, it, it's really tough for me to do the thing where, you know, I know some people who who can just completely not watch a game and not check Twitter or anything. But people are like people like text during games anyway. Like so yeah. I, I, I don't know. I've, I've, I've never successfully been able to do the Like I won't check it at all during and then go back later and watch it like it. it something always happens. One more thing, like sports and specifically sports related. Have you guys covered, which I'm sure with the where you've gone on tours, this probably the answer is probably yes. But have you ever covered team fight songs, or have you ever wanted to like rewrite or put your own spin on your team or another team's fight song? We haven't done a fight song at the uh, at that national championship game, the tailgate that I mentioned earlier. 
we did like Sweet Home Alabama into Eye of the Tiger and then back and forth for the crowd because they were both, you know, Tigers in Alabama. And that went over pretty well. So that's the closest thing I think we've done. Yeah, we've, I've, we've definitely never covered anything. I, I know like when, you know, a lot of people can throw out Rocky Top. We've actually never done anything. We do cover Won't Back Down by Tom Petty sometimes, but it has nothing to do with the Gators. And I know they kind of adopted that song in a way. Um, so um, that doesn't count because, you know, uh, <laughs> because it's it's Florida thinking they're cooler. I don't know. Did you so, hear that, you know. Florida fans, that that yeah. doesn't count? <laughs> We have to give him the Gators, though. I mean, I mean, okay. I mean, yeah. Tom Petty. Tom Petty is legit Gainesville, but I agree. Yeah. It just hurts because he's so awesome, you know. <laughs> didn't he, but did, didn't he say that he didn't really care about football? Did, did I did I hear that or read that or did, am I wrong? I thought I, I read that he, he probably didn't. I mean, he actually yeah. go. Yeah. It's actually pretty interesting. He goes into it in the documentary about how, because um, you know, he didn't he didn't really have a southern accent. He really didn't have a southern accent. Like most of the guys in his band don't either, which is kind of funny. And then they interview like his brother. It's like, he is so country. And it's like, yeah, he probably wanted to run away from all that, but I don't know. I mean, this it's in there. I, I have like one more like kind of quick anecdote about like funny encounters with like games going on during music things. Like Brayden, there's this big, it's actually become like one of the leading experimental music festivals in like America, let alone the world. But it's called Big Ears, and it's put on by the, the same people that started Bonnaroo. And it's every March in, in Knoxville. And I, I played it one of the first, I think it was the second or third year that they'd even done it. And it was 20, 2010. It was like all of these like luminaries of like jazz and classical music and like Philip Glass, I think, was there. And like all these experimental rock bands and people from all over the world. But it was like the year that Tennessee you know, was like a couple points away from going to the final four with Bruce Pearl. And like, I just remember like everybody there who was from Knoxville, whether they were music nerds or not, were just like breaking away from the music to go see the game. And it was, it was like, this is what I love about the South. It's like, you know, it's both big, you know, it's just anyway. No, it's, it's great. It's awesome. And it's really, you have to go like full airplane mode to like actually truly try to avoid like if I'm if I'm doing a, a, a you know an on, if I'm doing something on the air and I know there's a game I want to go watch like I you have to like close the laptop turn every like there's no possible way to go dark the entire time which raises an interesting question for you guys as you've all had different stages of your career where you're trying to really push hard and market and, and grow a brand and a, and a label or a or a record and at a certain point like I love the fact and and obviously William you worked with Jack White I I love the fact that some people I think Dave Chappelle did this at the at the Ryman one time where you, you know you're locking up your phones and you're having like a truly communal experience with people like oh my god I'm in line with the, to get a beer and I'm talking to the person in front of me instead of just like staring at Twitter you guys are all pretty active on sports Twitter not even music Twitter on sports Twitter you're all pretty active uh, what what do you guys make of you know, comedians, musicians, performers saying, look, guys, lock up your phones. Like it's got to hurt growing your brand. But at the same time, it makes the experience to me, you know, I'm 38 now. I actually really enjoy it. It, it doesn't bother me. You know, like when they when they have their phones out, and they're recording you. That means you must be doing something that's worthy of being recorded. So that to me, it lets me know that like, oh, OK, well, whatever we're doing, they like. Um, it's almost kind of like, you know, you only Shazam songs that you like. And so. Yeah, when they got when they take the phones out to get video or pictures, it must be something good. Yeah, um, I mean, you know, with the the whole like everything, I mean, about social media, you know, a big criticism is like, oh, you're not in the moment, you know, and or you're, you know, <clears throat> you're being distracted, you're somewhere else if you're with that and not in the moment. Um, and so, you know, like the, the the criticism of like filming or taking pictures, having your phone up there in the entire show. Yeah, I, like on one hand, I can see how it does could distract distracting from being in the moment but like what tom said is yeah i mean like now you have a chance for people to create these memories you know and be able to you know remember stuff and it's, it's almost like an extra keepsake from a show if you have your own personal video or pictures that you took um the whole thing about social media i mean social media now is uh i'm sure for sports and music there's it's linked in some way um it it, it makes you so connected that that could be bad like for music i know like you know that's uh, when you think about like all like musicians from 
seventies, eighties, even like nineties. I mean, like, you know, like, like pavement didn't have an Instagram account. Like no one even knew what Led Zeppelin looked like or something until like they saw their pictures on the, on the, on a magazine or, or got a poster or something, you know, but, uh, but now like, you know, it's, it's just kind of a necessary thing and you, you just learn to live with it, but try not to try not to take it too far, but you just kind of have to do it. I mean, now I don't know how you would be able to, work in sports. I mean, I don't work in sports, but I work in sports journalism or work in music without using it also. So, I mean, like it's, it'd be basically impossible to at least not have some sort of presence. Um, so yeah, uh, it's just, I guess just a sign of the times with, you know, people filming stuff at shows or whatever. Um, it's just, it's just going to happen. And uh, as long as we can just try and everybody be responsible about everything with it, then I guess it'll be okay. William, you're the most, I think, I don't mean to offend the other two here, but I think you're the most uh, active on, on the socials for sure. I, I'm, I'm always, I'm, I'm always seeing William, <laughs> William with something to say about something sports or anything else on the planet that's going on. I mean, on. yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm another guy who has a lot of opinions and hot takes. I think that it, to me, I have this conversation with a lot of musician friends who are, who are kind of like in our age group, basically, you know, like late generation X, early millennials, whatever, like where we kind of like right at that point where like, are we too old to adapt social media or not? Like, I don't even count like the way people like David Crosby use Twitter because like that's, I mean, but like you, <laughs> shots fired. Um, but like, I, you know, you can't like, like, Ben was saying like pavement. I have an Instagram. Like they would have crushed social media, you know, if they had it back then. Yeah. I just think like it's like like for me, I sort of drew a line with TikTok, where I was like, I don't think I'm gonna do TikTok. Like I probably should, you know, that would potentially like have younger fans and like for you know, and I might still do it. It's just like between Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, it's kind of like that's enough for me to try to fit in a day of also doing a bunch of other things. But at the same time, like. I do think about this, like there's a certain, and I'm sure it's the same with like athletes, all those, like sometimes I'm really amazed at how much like really famous busy people tweet. I'm kind of like, don't you have more to do? But <laughs> I mean, I think that is what people expect out of public figures. Now I was going to say celebrities, but like, we're not celebrities. Like, like if you have a platform, you're kind of, ex because, you know, we, we live in this hyper individualistic culture now, thanks to like, what Silicon Valley has like brainwashed us into thinking. And so like, you're supposed to be a brand ambassador for your identity. So like, you can't like Braden, like you get, you have to sell yourself basically as a person with opinions and takes and pictures and locations. And it, it's not just about the, the media, you know, the y'all's radio or our concerts or like the album. It's like, and, and you know what, it's fine. That's just what PR is now. It's, a, it's, it's actually, it's pretty cool because it's pretty democratic. You know, I'm, I'm sure all you guys, you know, you can interact with celeb, you can interact with sports guys, you can interact with their agents. And for us, you can interact with other musicians and booking agents directly through these social media platforms in a way that there used to be more of a bureaucracy for it. So the democracy of that is cool, but like the amount of time I think we spend thinking about ourselves and thinking about what others think about what we're thinking is, I mean, none of that's good for art or sports <laughs> or any, anything mental health wise, but I'm thinking about what you're thinking about. How are you feeling about what you're thinking? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I, I, but I just, just to, to close that thought out, I just moved back to LA and this friend of mine was like the other day, I was, I was self-conscious about something. He was like, he was like, dude, like, don't no, don't worry about like anybody thinking about you in LA because no one's thinking about anybody but themselves. And I was like, oh, that's a good point. That's kind of the vibe out here. I just oh. want to, before we close out, I, I know y'all spend a ton of time with us. I just want to take one more second to say that Tommy's nieces and nephews initials are RTR. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, 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 it's just the nephews. Yeah. It's just the nephews. Just the nephews. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're great kids. I mean, they really are good kids. Yeah. And, and what you're saying, William, like that's so like what you said about TikTok, I feel the exact same way. It's like <laughs> we've already got enough stuff to make the house house made of glass. Like, you know, why? Why do we need more? I mean, it's like you can see enough of us. All right. Well, yeah, like us. So, why why yeah. do we need more? Everybody else yeah. is fine, you know, for other people. But um, but yeah, it's like, I mean, nobody even wants to see me try and ironically dance on TikTok, even if, you know. Right. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure people do more stuff than dance, but I don't know what else happens there. And yeah, um, so it's fine for other people. But I'll make everybody here feel bad and because it, it makes me feel bad. 
People older than me are getting their news on TikTok. All right, I'm just gonna leave that conversation. Oh, I have friends doing there, that too. Yeah. And and we'll because we'll, we've all just we all agree we don't want to do it, but we all probably should. And so maybe we're failing. Who knows? Uh, that's for that's for history to decide. Um, uh, look, I, I I will say it, what's interesting about sort of what you mentioned, William and, and Tommy, you alluded to this and music and sports are related to this as far as creating content. And that is, it's not as much anymore in sports media about like, does the left side of the offensive line know their blocking scheme? Like I, that, that's what I, that's why I got into sports media was that I love that. And, and I don't know how you guys feel about the music industry, but in sports media, it's no longer about that. It's who can be the, the silliest and the craziest and the funniest. And there's a place for all of that. I, I like that people are really creative and get to do all of that. It's not what I'm good at. So like, I love studying film and being a nerd about football and all this stuff. Do you guys see that in music where, you know, someone's it's, it's more about all the extra stuff and all the other stuff and not about the music. I mean, I'm sure that's a problem that's been within the industry for, for years. I'm just curious if that's been exaggerated, like it has in sports talk and sports media with, with all the different changing media elements. If that question makes well, sense. Well, I mean, like Travis Scott had a roller coaster at his, uh, as concert, right? That was Travis Scott that did that, I think. I mean, you know, that's that's extra stuff, but that doesn't mean his music's bad. It's just, you know, there's stuff on top of it. I guess that's a good example I could think of during the show anyway. Like like Roger um, Waters took Bridgestone Arena and turned it into like an entire Ringling Brothers circus. Like that was yes. Right. That was insane. You know, and with him, we kind of expect that sort of thing. And then, you know, especially with social media, like, you know, there's some celebrities and that, you know, like Taylor Swift, like, you know, like she's very public and like who she's dating and all that kind of stuff. That didn't really have much to do with the, with the music unless she's writing the songs about the breakup of a person, you know, <laughs> which is a, a whole story altogether. But yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot more to just the music, I guess, nowadays than there really ever used to be. Um, yeah, I think a lot of that's inherent in like kind of any pop culture thing, you know, like there's uh, people get more, people can be more excited about the side story or what's being accompanied with it. And, you know, and like some, some stuff that just seems just straight up pop culture stuff needs that, you know, like, like, yeah, I mean, Travis Scott is cool, but like, you know, like might need that roller coaster to help push the where it's, it's more about that maybe gimmick or that wrinkle instead of the actual music. Um, and I mean, but I, I think that, you know, it, you know, like you said, Roger, Roger Waters, I mean, that concert was awesome and it didn't, and that didn't detract. It only added to it. And I think, it, you know, mm -hmm. Uh, bringing back the authentic authenticity word again, like, you know, the subject's really authentic, you know, it, it will still always be about the music. I mean, like, you know, I, you know, we would still listen to Pink Floyd or go see Roger Waters, you know, cause that stuff that just the music itself, the original stuff was awesome. It's not just because of all the stuff that was flying around the arena, you know, I, so, yeah, do, I, mean, I, do. I like your approach, Braden, you know, the, uh, you know, more concerned with the, you know, the, offensive line maybe 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 we'll remember Braden more so than like the clay travis's of the world i don't know no, no, no. before we wrap up can we go around and do right. is that okay i don't know uh, yeah. right. I, I, have, yeah, that's... I, I, I can go back and bleep out words it's all it's all good okay <laughs> oh okay so you i never gonna... bleep anything out yeah i was i was gonna say that i was gonna compare kaharski's twitter presence as being equally stressful as david crosby's but y'all can <laughs> <laughs> go home old man um <laughs> god yes oh, wow. um, can, can we wrap up with favorite sec player of all time mm. I, easy easy for me mm. charles barkley wow i did not expect that I, no, no allegiance to auburn but i gotta be honest like between somebody that actually like want to hang probably would actually hang out with people like us who's also gonna, sort of a you know abbreviated version because y'all will appreciate this because you're in music Graydon knows the story one of my best friends from high school went up to Charles Barkley um, after Alabama won the national championship in New Orleans and he had been doing commentary and she was just trying to get in the VIP area because that's just kind of her MO so she gets up there and the first thing she says to him is like oh my gosh I loved your last album she thought it was Gnarls Barkley so. <laughs> she got oh, kicked man. out immediately following that <laughs> Awesome. Okay. <laughs> Did didn't Charles throw a guy through a window? Uh huh. Yep. Yeah. That's yeah. They, 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 yeah. They said, "Did you have any regrets?" He said, "Yeah, I wish I was on the second floor." Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think he, I think he got in a fight. Like, he's been he's been on multiple fights like on the bench like during games. I think. Like, yeah. In the in the late eighties and early nineties. So I respect it. Um, mine mine is sorry. Mine's definitely a uh, Julio Jones. It's, it's got to be because I, I thought I thought about it for a second. 
he definitely set the tone for the Saban era. He was one of the first big recruits that he got, and he came in. He was a man amongst boys and kind of set that tone. I think that's kind of continued. And now he's a tight. So let's I was gonna go. Say, I was going to say, now, yeah. he's, now he's your boy. So. We'll see. Yeah. yeah this, uh, I don't know. I'm going to think of something later that's going to – that, that I'm be like, oh, why didn't I think of that? Um, it's hard to think. Like uh, Julio Jones is a great example because you know I'm thinking like, it was it was it somebody who's just super exciting, like of a, just an, a freakish display of uh, athleticism or something. And you know, like I love stuff like that, but I don't know why the the first thing that came to my mind was it is the punter Brad Wing, the LSU punter who. <laughs> <laughs> The Australian, I don't know. I don't know why I came to mind, but wasn't he the guy that uh that like the like they they just instituted the taunting rule and he's a punter and he's like the first guy that that they called on him because he he ran a fake punt and uh, and ran it for a touchdown and like you know five yards out was like pointing at the guy chasing him and like I don't, so I, I don't know why I guess uh, like I tend to look for the the like I'm trying to think about like personality wise and like so like. How is- how is Rodrigo Blankenship, a musician and punter at Georgia, not your favorite player of all time? Dude, that's a great one. And I remember like, yeah, like, uh, like I went to the Rose Bowl game a few years ago and I remember him just like drilling like an almost 60 yarder. And I like, I always remember like seeing him in person, just standing out in the middle of the field, like the tiniest guy out there with the big glasses, you know, uh, just, just flexing his muscles and screaming. Like after he just, then, like that was such a display of just like, of, of such confidence it was yeah so that's rodrigo's a great one um oh, man. yeah, the, yeah. I, don't know, I, I guess I'd, i would try and think about like who had some sort of silly personality those i'm sure i'll think of something later that I'll, it's, rodrigo it's uh rodrigo is quite the rapper uh the new newest album i believe has recently dropped so uh, <laughs> yeah. I, think, yeah. I think i think brad wing is actually the most valuable player from that nine six bama lsu game actually like was he in that game I think I mean like, I think he was like the best player in the field in that on that game. Probably, yeah. He, I think he's still playing. I think he's still in the pros too. I mean, I don't know, but just like uh great. It's just funny you think like I think some of the taunting or rules like that are dumb anyway, but uh the fact that uh the, the fact that the punter got a call on him uh makes it makes it way cooler like it, it's like if I was him, I'd be like, yeah, I would have rather taken that penalty than actually scored the touchdown because like that's just how cool it was, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Like run, running away from everybody on the field, but he's a punter. It's a great answer. <laughs> Guys, mm-hmm. th- thank you so much for your time. I know you're all uh, probably pretty excited to be back on the road here this year. Well, thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. We do appreciate it. Um, and uh, continued success in the future. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank, thank you, you guys. guys. Thank you. You guys have a great one. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did, uh, Aaron. I, I don't know about you. I, I had a great time conducting that interview and hanging out with those guys, but I actually had just as much fun listening back to it. And those guys are fascinating. And the, the experiences they've had, musicians in general, much like athletes, they just have this you know unique experience in life that very few of us can ever kind of truly understand. And so I love being able to pick their brains about really serious stuff and then really stupid stuff all at the same time. It was a lot of fun. I love that. We did creepy fan stories, and then William's creepy fan story was one of our other guests. <laughs> ben showed up at a at a strange lounge in Athens to, to to watch William play, and he was like, "What are you doing here?" And was like super drunk and just being like a crazy fan. So yeah, it was wonderful. pretty funny to listen to them tell stories about each other, seeing each yeah. other on the road. I, I have seen. Um, now that the interview's over, I'll, I'll admit some things here. Um, I have seen William Tyler open for Margot Price album release party at like Basement East in, Na- in East Nashville. It's one of the best shows I've ever seen. It's how I discovered him and have been listening to his music ever since. He is just a really active sports fan on the socials. Go follow him on Twitter. Um, he's, a, he's a great follow, not short on opinions and, and really interesting. I've seen Moon Taxi probably 30 times. Like uh, 30? Pro- probably I i've mean, seen him four which for me as being not as much of a guru as you i saw him probably for the first time like eight years ago on new year's at would it be mercy wait third marathon Lindsley, marathon third and Lindsley and exit in they've the new year's eve is their one of their big shows of the year. really fun exactly. yeah they, they are they are wonderful supporters of the charity that i work with here locally shout out to our kids um Child Sexual Abuse, their lead singer, Trevor Turndrup and Tommy have been very involved in the charity work. So good friends with those guys and, and have seen them. Literally, my wife and I saw them on a boat cruising around like the Hudson River around Manhattan. 
it was tw- it was like 50 people on a boat watching moon taxi play you're a groupie it kind of, i was there for a little while they're really good I've seen the wild feathers a bunch as well missed their ryman show here in nashville but um they are such an awesome catchy sing-along band like they just have so many so many hits um and of course represented here on fringe element so um yep. just a blast to talk to those guys go listen to their music go check them out go follow them you know, I just, they're thoughtful guys with great, great music and great stories. So uh, I had a lot of I fun. Had fun. That was a treat. Yes. We will be heavy, heavy, heavy football, of course, next week as SEC media days will be in full swing. We will have all sorts of analysis about who dominated talking season, I guess. Talking season. Who had the best outfit? Not yep. to be shallow, but like Dan they're always showing off. Dan Mullen's always got the, sh- the strong shoe game. So, yep. It'll be fun. Um, and we, yeah, we'll go super, super football heavy since today was a little bit lighter and, you know, more on the fun thing, but that's what summer fun track, but that's what summer's for. So, and we're about to be all the way back in it. So hopefully people appreciate this little break. And we've got a lot of cool stuff planned for fringe element audience listeners coming up for sure this fall. No question about that. Uh, Aaron, where can people follow you? Um, the gram Aaron underscore Dugan and, um, the Twitter machine the at the Aaron Dugan you can follow yourself you can follow me Braden Gall at Braden Gall of course fringe element is brought to you by Jaspers your turn I've done two Jaspers the comfortable kiddie pool of your hot summer afternoon is that is that too much dad no you you I didn't know where you're going with kiddie pool and I'm glad that it like got just normal after that it's what See, this is so strange to me. I am the you you label me to the audience as the demented, delusional, disgusting male. But I am the only thing I think about when I think of the phrase kiddie pool are my two beautiful daughters swimming in a kiddie pool in our backyard. Okay, you are the disgusting one. You are actually the (laughs) disgusting one, not me. What do you think of when I say the word kiddie pool, you disgusting creature? Two words. And I don't know after you talked about slurping for five minutes. Vaseline party. I know that's what you were thinking. <laughs> what in God's name? That's, that's from old school with Will Ferrell, remember? Yes, I do now. My stomach's growling so you're loud. Disgu- you're disgusting. Go to okay. Jasper's Park for free. Try a try a, a, a alcoholic popsicle. A rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Go follow all the guys and listen to all their music because they're great and they're awesome and they're wonderful. Tell Aaron she's disgusting. Thank you guys all for listening. <laughs> for Aaron Dugan, my name's Braden Gall. This has been Fringe Element on the 440 Sports Network. Later.